Well, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for these verses that we turn to now in Ephesians chapter 6, in which the Apostle Paul speaks about the need for us to be prayerful people. And we pray, therefore, that as we come to these words now, that you would help us to be those who pray faithfully and frequently. And as well as this, Father, we do pray for me now, that you would give me the words to say and the boldness with which to say them for the good of the church and for the sake of your glory. Amen. Well, for the third time in this sermon series in Ephesians, we are returning to this same little passage of Scripture as we're unpacking what Paul has to say here. So, It would be really helpful, please, if you could have Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 to 20 open in front of you this morning. At the start of this little section, in 10 to 12, Paul has told us about the reality of spiritual warfare and the enemy that we, as God's people, face. This enemy who is spiritual, evil, powerful, and prevalent in the world in which we live. Then in the middle section, verses 13 to 17, Paul has encouraged us by reminding us that in Christ and by his strength, we are able to stand against this enemy. And he's encouraged us to put on the whole armor that God supplies for us in Christ. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, gospel shoes, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And now in verses 18 to 20, he turns to this vital matter of prayer. It's not that prayer is another piece of the armor. Rather, prayer is what makes all the other pieces of armor effective. The well-known hymn that we've just sung puts it like this, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. And so if we're going to be people who withstand the attacks of the enemy, if we're going to be those who keep going and keep growing as Christians, if we're going to be those who keep advancing with the gospel in our ministry, it is absolutely vital that we are prayerful. As James chapter 4 puts it, sometimes we do not have simply because we do not ask. We neglect prayer to our own detriment. As someone has put it, prayerlessness is practical atheism. So for a healthy Christian life, prayer is absolutely indispensable. And I wonder, how would you describe the state 
of your own prayer life. Maybe you have a, a very thriving, faithful, consistent prayer life. But I would imagine that if we're really honest, most of us could do so much better when it comes to prayer. We need all the help we can get when it comes to prayer, don't we? And as we come to these verses of Ephesians 6, these words of the Apostle Paul, there is so much gracious help that is offered to us to encourage us, to build us up in our prayer lives. And so I hope that as we consider what Paul says here, that these words will help to guide us and reinvigorate all of us in our own prayer lives, individually and also together as a church family. And I'd like us to notice, to start with, four characteristics of a healthy prayer life that Paul mentions here. And then, after that, I'd like for us to notice two particular things for which to pray. So to start with, let's look at these four characteristics of a healthy prayer life. And the first is this, pray frequently. Pray frequently. I wonder, when do you pray? Do you have a set time that you set aside each day? Maybe it's in the morning or maybe it's in the evening. And you commit to praying at that particular time. Or if you're honest, do you not really pray very much at all? And so your prayers are a bit haphazard, a bit inconsistent. Or maybe do you tend to pray just when something goes wrong? And prayer for you is a bit like a spiritual 999 call, something that's only used in an emergency. Well, Paul's first encouragement here is that we pray frequently. He says, praying at all times. And of course, he doesn't mean that literally we'll spend 100% of our time in prayer and do nothing else in life. No, rather, he of course means praying often, praying frequently, any time, any place, being in the attitude of prayer. And yes, of course, it is a great thing, isn't it, to set aside a designated time each day when you're going to pray. Remember how Daniel set aside those three times each day when he would go to his room and he would spend time in prayer. Remember how in the Gospels we read of Jesus getting up early in the morning so that he could have time to pray when he wasn't going to be disturbed by others. And of course those are very good habits to get into. Build into your daily routine a time when you can commit to praying, whatever that may be. And of course, as a church family, we've got a, a time set aside each week, don't we, on a Wednesday evening when we, as a church family, commit to praying. Let me encourage you to, to make that a priority in your week. Come along, join together in this vital work of prayer. And yet what Paul is getting at here is the idea that we don't just pray at those specific set-aside times. Now, Paul is saying our whole lives should be lived in this attitude of prayerfulness. So we might think of Nehemiah in the presence of the king of Persia. In those early verses of that book, this opportunity comes 
for Nehemiah to, to say something to the king about the needs of God's people in Jerusalem. What does Nehemiah do? Well, very quickly and silently he prays at that very moment, just for a, a second or two perhaps, bringing the matter before God before he answers the king. Nehemiah's knee-jerk reaction in that very moment was to pray, just for a second or two as he had opportunity. And as you go about your daily routine, pray frequently like that. There are many things that should cause us to pray. If you see something beautiful out in creation, just pause for a moment. Praise God, the creator, for it. If you commit a certain sin, confess it there and then. Ask God for his forgiveness. If you see God's providence being worked out for your good, stop and thank God for it. If you see a particular need, take a few moments to pray for God's mercy to be shown in that situation. Pray frequently, says Paul. And then secondly, Paul says, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. And you might ask, well, what does that mean exactly? What does Paul have in mind when he talks about praying in the spirit? It implies, doesn't it, that there is a, a right way to pray in the spirit? And there's a wrong way to pray, not in the Spirit. And as we look at the Scriptures, we see there are various examples of how not to pray. So, for example, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about hypocritical prayers. Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Then in a similar way, in Mark chapter 7, he talks about those who honor God with their lips, but whose hearts are far from him. And clearly praying in this proud and hypocritical way, praying only to impress other people and gain their approval while not truly honoring God, is obviously not praying in the spirit. It's proud and it's hypocritical. The letter of James also gives us some examples of how not to pray. So in chapter 1, James talks about faithless prayer. And he writes, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. And James there is not talking about a, a Christian who struggles with doubts. Uh, he's talking about the kind of person who doesn't really have faith in God. But despite lacking faith in God, they think, well, why not just give prayer a try? Why not give it a shot? They've tried everything else, and so why not try prayer as well? Maybe that'll do the trick. That kind of prayer, faithless prayer, as James puts it, is obviously not praying in the spirit. And then in chapter four of his letter, James talks about selfish prayer. He writes, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so this is the kind of person who's trying to use God as a kind of divine slot machine. You just put your prayers in, 
and the things that you want will come out. And there are, you see, numerous ways not to pray. Proud, hypocritical, faithless, and selfish prayers are not what God wants to hear. So what does it mean then to pray in the Spirit? What is the right manner in which to pray? And I think that there are three indispensable elements of praying in the Spirit. And so firstly, to pray in the Spirit, you must be a child of God. To pray in the Spirit, you must be a child of God. It's obvious, isn't it? You can only pray in the Spirit if the Spirit himself has come to dwell in your heart. And so the question is, in whose hearts does the Spirit of God dwell? And the clear answer of Scripture is that the Spirit dwells in the hearts of those who are God's adopted children. The Bible says that in numerous places, but listen to these words from Romans chapter 8. Paul says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you want to pray in the spirit, the first question you should ask is, well, am I an adopted child of God? Am I indwelt by God the Holy Spirit? And how does someone become a child of God. Well, you become a child of God through believing in Jesus. So in John chapter 1, we read these words, to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's worth asking yourself this morning, isn't it? Where do I stand before God? Have I believed in Jesus, putting all my trust in him so that I am adopted into God's family as one of his beloved children, indwelt by his spirit, by whom I can pray to God as my father? To pray in the spirit, first of all, you must be a child of God. And then secondly, to pray in the spirit, you must pray in dependence upon his power. In dependence upon his power. And this is what lifts us out of the kind of faithless prayer that James is talking about there in James chapter 1. To pray in the spirit means to pray conscious of the fact that the God to whom we pray is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or even imagine. According to the immeasurable power of God at work within us. In prayer, we rest upon his omnipotent sovereignty over all things. We depend upon his strength to work. And then thirdly, to pray in the spirit, you must pray for things within his will. You must pray for things that are within God's will. And this is what lifts us out of the selfish prayers that James is talking about in James 4. Prayer is not a means of trying to get out of God what we want for our own purposes. The Shorter Catechism very helpfully puts it like this. Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will. And so we should ask, well, how do we know what the will of God is? If we're going to pray for things that are agreeable to his will, where do we look to find out what God's will is?
And the answer is very simply that we open the Bible. If we let the Bible, God's word, shape and inform our prayers, then we can be sure that we're praying for things that are agreeable to God's will. If we want to pray in the spirit, these are the three different elements that that must involve. Firstly, through faith in Jesus, am I an adopted child of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Secondly, as I pray, am I depending on his sovereign power? And thirdly, am I asking for things that are agreeable with his will, as revealed in Scripture? That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. And then, says Paul, the third characteristic of a healthy prayer life is to pray comprehensively. Pray comprehensively. Paul says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now, there are, of course, numerous different aspects of prayer. Not all prayers are the same type of prayers. Sometimes our prayers are simply praising God for who he is and what he has done. Sometimes our prayers are confessing our sin to God, acknowledging our need for his forgiveness and his grace. Sometimes our prayers are thanking God for his mercies that he's shown to us. And yet with that word supplication, Paul is putting the focus on bringing our requests to God in prayer. Seeking his provision, seeking his intervention in some, in some situation. That word that Paul uses for supplication means to make a plea. It means to cry out to God earnestly, to do so fervently, calling out for him to answer us. Philippians 4, Paul says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Paul is saying here, pray comprehensively. No problem is too big to pray about. No problem is too small to pray about. Whatever it may be that is troubling you, whatever needs you have, whatever needs those around you have, bring those things to God with all prayer and supplication. Make your plea before him. Pray comprehensively. And then the fourth and the final characteristic of prayer that Paul mentions here is to pray with perseverance. Pray with perseverance. Paul says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. And Paul knows, as well as you and I do, that prayer can be difficult. How easily our minds are distracted. We can be like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. And we're busy people and we're distracted and our thoughts very quickly wander. And furthermore, as the context of this passage tells us, the enemy is against us. The enemy loves to disrupt our prayers and to discourage our prayers. And sometimes prayer just feels like the last thing that we want to do. And so by God's grace, we need to pray with alertness and with perseverance. We need to keep at it. To help us with this, Jesus gave us a parable. It's a parable told in order that his followers ought always to pray and not to lose heart. It's the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18. I'm sure you know uh, this story that Jesus told. There was a, a judge in a certain city. 
And he had no time for God. He had no time for people. And there was a widow in that city who had been treated unfairly in some way. And she kept coming to this judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And for a while, the judge refused because he just couldn't be bothered. He didn't care about justice. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about other people. And yet after a while, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And Jesus' point in that parable is that even if even an unrighteous judge will grant justice to a person who calls out to him persistently and does so with perseverance, well, of course, his father will answer the prayers of his elect, his children, who cry out to him in prayer day and night. And so keep praying, says Jesus. Pray with perseverance. Now consider again those words of Jesus that we reminded ourselves of with the children earlier on in the service. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I wonder, is there a situation that has been troubling you for a long time? And you've prayed about it and yet matters are not yet resolved. Or don't lose heart. Pray with perseverance to your loving and good and generous Heavenly Father. And these then are the, the four characteristics of a healthy prayer life that Paul sets before us here in order to help us and guide us in our prayers. Pray frequently. Pray in the Spirit. Pray comprehensively. And pray with perseverance. And then in the remaining verses that we're going to look at this morning, Paul highlights for us two particular things for which to pray. So he's showing us here two areas of focus that should help to inform our prayers. And firstly, Paul says, pray for Christian believers. Pray for Christian believers. That's where Paul goes at the end of verse 18, isn't it? To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Of course, in the Bible, the word saints simply means Christian believers, the church. And throughout this great letter, Paul has been teaching the church in Ephesus what it's going to look like for them to live as God's new society, the church, the people saved by and united in Jesus. And previously, these people were from different backgrounds. They held different beliefs. Some of them were Jews. Some of them were Gentiles. This dividing wall of hostility separated them from one another. But now they've been brought together, made one in Christ. And so as Paul has been telling them, they are to live together as one. They are to share fellowship with one another. And one particular way in which they can do that 
is simply to pray for one another. Let her live alongside one another as a family, knowing each other's needs, knowing each other's struggles, praying for one another in all of those things. It's what any church is to be like, isn't it? We're to be praying for one another. Again, it's something we do on a a Wednesday evening, isn't it? We gather together and pray for each other in this church. And I hope that that's something you include in your prayers at at home as well. Pray for the church family here in Crumlin. That each one of us would be growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Becoming more like him. Pray that we would be a united, joyful, loving, persevering, growing, witnessing, worshipping community. Pray for the particular needs of those in the church family who are undergoing difficulties, going through affliction in life at the moment. And of course, we don't just pray for Christian believers here in Crumlin. We, we pray for our brothers and sisters in other congregations, and especially for Christians in other parts of the world undergoing severe persecution. Paul says, make supplication for all the saints. Pray for Christian believers. And then finally, pray for Christian ministry. Pray for Christian ministry. And in verses 19 and 20, Paul requests that these Ephesian believers would remember him and his ministry as they pray. He says, and also pray for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We can sum up this by noting that there are two things that Paul requests, uh, what he requests prayer for in his ministry. Firstly, he requests prayer for words. Pray for me that words may be given me. And Paul wants to make sure that as he preaches the gospel, he's making it clear. He wants to remain faithful to the gospel. He wants to say the right thing. He wants to know how to speak a word in season given the people to whom he is speaking. How will he articulate the gospel? How will he speak persuasively? How will he speak truthfully and passionately? How will he drive the application home into the minds and hearts and lives of the people? How will he point people to Jesus, to his person and to his work? And to the salvation that is received through faith in him. Like any minister, Paul longs that God would give him the words to say. And then the second thing that Paul requests prayer for in his ministry is boldness. Words and boldness. And twice, in fact, Paul mentions his need for boldness. It's in verse 19 and then again in verse 20. Remember... As Paul writes this letter, he's in chains. He's being held prisoner. His ministry has been curtailed somewhat by opposition. And in the face of this opposition, Paul needs boldness to keep on preaching the gospel as he should. So Paul needs these two things in his ministry. He needs words and boldness. He needs to know what to say. And then he needs to have the courage to say it boldly and as we pray as a church this is how we can pray for our ministry here in Crumlin that God would give us words and boldness in our gospel proclamation as well whether that's from this 
pulpit or through the, the weekly organizations or through our own personal evangelism as we seek to share the gospel with those around us. And you see, our great need in all of those facets of our ministry here is that we have the words to say and we have the boldness with which to say them. And can I ask you to be praying for me and for us as a church in that way, that we would be given words and we would be given boldness as we share the gospel of Christ. So let's pray together now. Our Father, we thank you for the encouragement that we find in these verses of scripture that we've been considering this morning. And we know that when it comes to prayer, very often we struggle. We're so inconsistent. Sometimes we do not have simply because we do not ask, as James tells us. And so we pray that by your grace, we would be able to incorporate into our prayers as a church and individually these wise principles that Paul sets before us here. Help us to pray frequently in the spirit, comprehensively and with perseverance. Help us to pray for Christian believers, praying for one another as a church family and indeed for all the saints throughout this land and even throughout the world. And help us to be faithful in praying for our ministry as a church here. That in all aspects of our ministry, that we would be given the right words to say and that we would have the boldness with which to say them so that the gospel is rightly proclaimed and many will hear and trust in Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father. You hear our prayers and you are pleased to give good things to your beloved children. We praise you because you are able to do abundantly more than all that we ask or imagine. And so we bring these, our prayers to you in the spirit and in Jesus' name, seeking your blessing upon us as your people. Build us up and add to us those who are being saved, we pray. We ask it all for your glory's sake. Amen.